On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have host Mercedes Simmons talking with Aaron Jackson, and this is actually a two-part episode with this one focusing more so on mental health and some of the research that Aaron has been doing around mental health and student-athletes. They get very deep into it and the importance of addressing it, and it couldn't come at a better time uh, given some of the tragedies that we've had in the athletics population with mental health and just the topic in general is one that has to continually be talked about. Part two, which will be out uh, a week following this, focuses on Aaron's young professional career, how things are going, and addresses a bunch of other topics as it relates to athletic training. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please check them out for your athletic training needs. If you've got ideas, uh, reach out to them. If you want to try something, uh, reach out to them. They'll get you connected with your rep. Uh, They're definitely here to help athletic trainers and continue to help us do what we need to do. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode. that you record it too or like yeah. all right yeah. i just wanted to make sure <laughs> i don't know about tech it's it's i'm still learning um <laughs> well what time is it we still good morning it's still good morning it's still good morning little, little rocky start but we're here um <laughs> so this is i don't know what number episode i think maybe 101 and we are with Aaron Jackson, who is an athletic trainer, and we met on the social media. Um, I think it was Twitter, not Instagram, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we have not met in person yet, but I'm sure we will meet at NATA. Like, hopefully, hopefully, Lord, hopefully, Lord. Yes, so that'll be exciting. So, Aaron, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so um, thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Aaron Jackson. Also, most of the AT world or my athletes know me by AJ. Um, I'm originally born and raised in Queens, New York. Um, Spent about 25 years of my life there. I currently live in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I work for Osher Sports Medicine um, as a outreach athletic trainer, and I currently work at Xavier University of Louisiana, uh, where my sport assignment is baseball and cheerleading. Um, Educational background. Okay, so I got started at uh, Utica College um, in 2013 uh, when I came out of high school. I originally was going to do the PT route, but then decided to kind of shift gears a little bit after working as an athletic training assistant. Uh, a little bit um, for our football team there. Um, And then 2016, I made the jump to Stony Brook where I graduated in 2019 with my bachelor of science in athletic training. 
Uh, from there, I went on to Temple University, located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, under the leadership of Dr. Jamie Mantle, shameless plug. Um, and then I graduated this past May with uh, my, de my degree in kinesiology with a concentration in athletic training, as well as a graduate certificate in teaching in higher education. So um, that's a little bit about my educational background. I do plan on going back to school in the near future. Uh, haven't decided on when or where yet, but that's coming, coming shortly, coming shortly. Okay. Um, I'm going to just shamelessly plug, make sure you rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have some time to yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to jump right in, that's up to you, but I'm, I'm just going to say. I'm a nerd, so a, a part of me wants to continue like pushing uh, for like some some deeper knowledge in some areas, especially rehab. Um, so when I do decide to choose to go back to school, I'm probably sixty five percent going to get my DAT. Um, mm -hmm. Not sure where yet. Um, okay. There's a toss up between two schools that are still fighting for my allegiance at this time. Um, they but, hard. <laughs> um, but um, I think it's really important for me to continue to kind of push that um, boundary of really education in my eyes. Um, mm -hmm. I do plan on teaching at some point in my career. So okay. I'll get back into teaching at some point in my career because that's what I did while I was at Simple. I was a graduate uh, teaching assistant where I taught anatomy physiology lab. Um, so for me, teaching is kind of what is my end goal eventually um, or probably having that kind of dual split role where you kind of teach and do you know clinical work at the same time so you know eventually got to go back at some point so uh yes okay I'm, you know gotta do all my young and thin got a little energy because when i get older i'm like i don't want to do it but I wanna that's do it. fair it's, it's a lot so i understand yeah. um so we can jump right into our questions well, then um we have specifically for this episode and we're probably going to touch base on student athletes and mental health which yep. i'm very excited to talk about because i've been vocal about my own mental health journey on social media as well as how i personally try to put that in for my patient population um so just to see your thought process and how you think athletic trainers play a role in it and what can we do to really keep our patients together yeah. <laughs> holistically, not just, yeah. you know, with their injuries or just their sports things that they yeah. have to do. And then we'll also talk about, you know, young professionals in the beginning of their of career. You're still in that early professional career, young professional yeah. phase so that's always exciting to talk about and you know just think about any things that you have in mind that I guess I don't want to say I'm seasoned because I think I'm only a year 10 or 11 so okay. you know how that's how the career we, advanced career advanced your career yes, advanced. there we go there we okay. go <laughs> so, so that YP, you know yp phase with you know starting to transition on and upward exactly know? so you yeah. know how can we help you as a young professional to just really thrive like that's a passion for mine because yeah. me i'm very much you know I know what I went through. Granted, it wasn't super rocky, but 
You know, some things I may have wanted along my way. What can I do to help you? That's that's me as a person. But yeah. as an athletic trainer as well, I just, how can I help you to thrive? Like, yeah. so I'm excited to see what you have to say. So right. for our yeah. first question, can you describe your master's research? So we're all on the same page to begin. Yes. Yeah, so, um, this began back in, uh, I guess, back in undergrad, actually. So I started doing research back in undergrad, um, looking kind of at mental health and injuries, um, specifically like orthopedic injuries versus like those seizing, non-seizing injuries or in concussions. Um, so I finished my project there. And then when I went to Temple, I knew I kind of wanted to do something similar in that mental health kind of range, but I didn't know what exactly. I wasn't sure if I was going to be injury related or it was going to be concussion related because Tumble's a big concussion school. Um, so I kind of ended up settling on uh, the topic of reporting rates of anxiety and depression at baseline. So um, me and Dr. Jane McDevitt, uh, who I love to death, um, she was a really a great mentor and advisor for me, like going through that thesis process. Um, we kind of sat down and kind of, you know, it was a rocky start at first, kind of figuring out what we were going to look at, um, how we were going to look at it, what variables were we going to assess. Um, but we kind of just figured out, okay, we, we, you know, you want to do mental health. Here's your passion for it. How do we make it work so that you can finish your, your thesis in two years? So we, uh, basically took two patient reported outcome measures, uh, the hospital anxiety and depression scale and the short form 12. And we kind of use those two scales to kind of see and compare disclosure of anxiety and depression at baseline. So we kind of said, hey, like, are you disclosing some something at baseline? Yes or no. And how are you scoring on it, on these outcomes to see are they, are they similar? Are they not similar? Um, and that's kind of the gist of the research. I can go way more into depth, but we're going to keep it really PG. <laughs> I try to keep my nerd hat off a little bit, but uh, no, listen, nerd out. We, I want to know. I'm sure the viewers and listeners want to know. So, I got you. Well, um, I think so. The next question, so we talked, I think the next question you had on there was talking about themes of the research, right? Yes, right. So, we kind of had a couple of different themes, but I say the main theme was mental health, right? We want to see what our patients are experiencing when they first come in to begin their season. So at Temple University, I would say I had a really good opportunity. We had a sport concussion lab um, working with a lot of our club sports teams. So we had about, um, I think it was about seven or eight teams that we had. Um, what they would do is they would come in um, and kind of fill out this kind of questionnaire. Like it would be like kind of a little packet. They would kind of go through uh, patient history stuff um previous injury number of concussions hey are you kind of do you have anxiety and depression or have you been diagnosed before in the past are you currently taking medication so we wanted to take kind of zone in on that patient demographic section first right the history part first because that kind of told us hey we might need to look out for this as we keep going throughout their packet then they moved on to answer some other questions they signed a consent form and then they got into and taking our, our patient report outcome measures. So they did both of those. I always told them, hey, just be honest and truthful um, while answering it to the best of your ability. Um, and then we kind of took that. I kind of would sit down. I would score each one uh, based on the scoring system for the HAD and the scoring system for the SO12. Then we kind of took that all that information, kind of put that into an Excel spreadsheet. 
you know, did a little ran a little statistics, but going back to the themes, we wanted to really look at Medicaid. Well, medication was one, medication usage was one, uh, mental health disclosure was was the second one. But I think the overall theme we really want to see like which patient reported outcome could assess what we were looking for, right? Okay. Could we sit down and say the HADS at the end of the day or the SO12 at the end of the day was the best outcome measure to assess if someone disclosed or didn't disclose anxiety and depression and how did they compare? Um, So we, unfortunately, we ended up, and it's going to say unfortunately, but my goal when I got into it was to hit about 500 participants. That was my goal. Unfortunately, we didn't get to hit that goal because of COVID, right? COVID came in and said, uh, well, we're going to put a balls on that. So um, <laughs> it was it was unfortunate because we were on a great trajectory of, I think we finished out with like 360 some participants. Okay. Uh, still a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we did was we took the data from 2016 because they we backtracked. So we took data from 2016 all the way up until 2020. So that almost like four, three and a half year span, we took all that data crunched it, um, you know, excluded some people here and there were necessary because, hey, they may, may have not have filled it out the correct way, a mm-hmm. uh, whole bunch of other different factors. And we finished around like around 330 some odd people. So um, for me, that was pretty good. Uh, and then kind of what we figured out at the end was, hey, the hospital anxiety and depression scale, which is a 14 item patient reported outcome that assess seven questions, assess anxiety, seven questions, assess depression, right? We wow. kind of saw that that scale in particular actually was was able to distinguish between patients who self-disclosed anxiety or didn't self-disclose anxiety and depression at baseline. So we were, so as an athletic trainer, right, we get to see, so we, we kind of take that information and say, okay, what do we do with it? Right. That's always the question. We do all this research. What do we do with it? How do we sit down and kind of figure out what do we do? Right. I think the first thing as an athletic trainer, you can, even as a person, we're going to tell you, how do you, what do you do with information that you see? I think, well, you think about it first. You don't make any rash decisions just because some research came out. Cause there's, there's flaws, you know, there's flaws in every given research project that, that mm-hmm. under the sun. Um, but I think for me, especially, can I be very, I'm going to be very critical of my own project. Cause I think it's important mm-hmm. um, is that well, if, if, are there things I would have done differently 100%, right? I would have wanted to get, well, I wish I could have started in 2016, right? Because right. that way I'd have known that every person that would have filled it out the correct way, just like the people at the tail end filled it out the correct way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something you would want to change. Um, you you know, when you, anything you're dealing with patient port outcome measures, you are trusting your patient to your athlete, your whoever you're dealing with mm-hmm. to fill this out correctly. Yes. with little to hopefully no influence right but sometimes they'd be like oh well this is just a little another thing paper piece of paper i got right. so they exactly. just go check 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 right mm-hmm. and sometimes that's not always accurate right so we can go um and kind of take that approach to it and say well that was some flaws of the research and we talk about limitations of, of my project um but i think the overall arcing theme of the project is to say that athletic trainers need to really really start um, as a collective, no matter sport, really start taking a deeper dive into the mental health aspect of, of sport performance, right? Because we know our athletes go through so much on a given day between workouts, practice, class, study hall, 
then fam then we add the big family thing into it as well mm-hmm. and then they trying to figure out how do i balance it all and especially for our young freshmen who are coming in never done it before um or even you're you're a juco a product coming from a juco where the demands were maybe a little less then you bump it up to the d1 level or the d2 level um it could be a lot so for me i, I what I respect a lot from a lot of programs in the country, and I spend a lot of time looking at what programs are doing what at the that baseline phase. Um, and a lot of programs are start really starting to implement like some type of questionnaire, whether it be super yes or no based, or if it's a little more, hey, we're going to include some type of scale here to kind of figure out what our athletes are going through at baseline. And then you have some um, some people and some places who do it go go to the extreme which i love um there's a athletic trainer who works at the university of texas that who i when i first started following her work what she did with her athletes it kind of wanted i wanted to model that so basically she is the i think she's the head athletic trainer director of sports medicine don't get me wrong at uh, the university of texas at austin and basically she works with volleyball and she takes a holistic approach to healthcare, and which i love because what she does with her athletes is it was a quick 20, I mean, not 20 second, two minute and 30 second video that the University of Texas had put out on her and her volleyball athletes mm. and holistic approach that she took to how they win, right? They're one of the best volleyball programs in the country. Mm-hmm. And one thing that she does, she does some type of questionnaire with her athletes every two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's very short, sweet to the point. Um, and some people you might say, oh, that may be too much hey but her she's seen great results from it right they have a lot of sports performance people who have integrated as well they have their dietitians on board they have nutritionists on board they have and then they get to the psychology aspect of it and they have their sports psychology staff on board as well so like everybody's on board of this idea of producing a holistic approach to sports to sport performance and, Mm -hmm. and sport participation so i think that's kind of where i hopefully see our um our profession going in the next couple of years with like mental health um, and, you know, just a lot of, even a lot of athletic trainers, right. We all, and you talked about, you know, your experience, you have your own mental health stuff. So do I, um, we go through our own stuff personally. So I imagine the stuff I, and I want, that's what I want to try to get athletic trainers to understand. Right. You knew what it was like for you as a, as an undergrad student going through your own mental health stuff, just as a student. Right. right. Then add that plus a, a little extra for your student athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when we start to sit down and really be empathetic. Right. We don't got to under we don't we ain't got to live the experience. But we right. see we can understand mm-hmm. and just listen. That makes I think that starts to make the big difference. And that's going to be the way we as as a profession can really start, um, you know, pushing the boundary forward of mental health and yeah. i'm not saying that mental health is 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 not holding your athletes accountable i think that's a whole different conversation that i don't think we got time to get into but <laughs> i think there's levels to it right i think mental yeah. health is, is telling your athlete hey like okay i support you here how or how can i support you um and then sometimes it's holding your athlete accountable too like that's yeah. a part of the mental health process as well like Going through therapy, your therapist is going to hold you accountable for some of the stuff that you do or don't do. Um, so I think there's there's a lot, um, you know, that athletic trainers can do. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably another question I'll, I'll <laughs> more. 
But I think that's kind of the gist of my research and then kind of tying it holistic, tying it back to mm-hmm. clinical practice and how you can, how we as athletic trainers kind of improve from there. Yes. So I 100% agree with everything you just said. I'm on board. I was, I wrote a little note on my paper, like, oh, I should probably do that. Like get that in. Um, and I think that will tie into the next question. You know, how can we as athletic trainers assist our patients in their mental wellness? And just from what you were saying previously, you know, I did go ahead and take that extra step to look into the mental health of just one of my teams. And granted, I only did it for half of the year. And it's something I know that I want to implement moving forward for the entire year. So with our intake forms, um, for our PPs, for every student athlete, we do have that initial mental health screening. And if something is red flagged, they'll follow yeah. up with our team physician. And, you know, us as the athletic trainer, we kind of monitor everything and do our part. And then me specifically, I went ahead and I have, um, I did make it a requirement. Sometimes it wasn't done on time, but um, I had one of my teams fill out the PHQ-9 and the GAD-7 every two weeks. So it was was a lot. And I think specifically for this semester, it was uh, extra because specifically for that team, we had probably five rescheduled games in the beginning of the semester that we had to then put through the rest of the semester. So they were playing games Monday, Wednesday, Saturday for about six and a half weeks. So I was like, what are we going to do? Like, how can, how can I keep them together? Not just for basketball, but you know, how can I keep them together in general? Because they have this added, stress of I have to perform three times a week instead Mm -hmm. of just two or maybe just one and still do my academics and still try to be involved in a social aspect maybe but it was it was very eye-opening which you know I kind of already had an idea of where they were (sighs) at first they weren't you know honest so I I said listen y'all I know y'all didn't feel that out right so we're gonna do it again Mm -hmm. the honesty aspect woo! (laughs) yeah and i think the honesty aspect is such a big big deal with but i think the the way you can kind of combat that right Mm -hmm. i always say it's about relationship first and this is not answering the question no it is answering the question perfectly actually Mm -hmm. it's about relationship right um and i think sometimes athletic trainers when we have such large teams, it's hard to build individual relationships with each individual person, especially if you are the sole athletic trainer at a high school or Mm -hmm. you're the sole athletic trainer for this large roster team. It's sometimes it's hard to build a relationship with each individual person. Mm -hmm. But what I will say it's important is for you to build relationships where you can to start, right? You just go, you just start. And I try to, that's what I try to tell a lot of, a lot of people when I talk to them, they're like, well, how, where do I start? It starts with it. Like every beginning starts with a single step, right? Mm -hmm. You don't got to take 
I ain't saying you got to take a, a large step. I ain't saying you got to take, you can take a baby step. Shoot, okay. you, can, you can crawl before you even take a step if you want. And that's fine. But at least you're starting somewhere. And I think once we as clinicians start to get like, oh man, this is, this is tough. But I think sometimes if you think about it, it's also helping you at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. Let's say you and I, I put it this way: as athletic trainers, we, you, me, me, and you both know that we go through a lot on a daily basis between just just work related. But then you add the outside the outside factors of my personal life on top of that. It's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say model what you want from your athlete, right, or your or patient population. If you want them to do this, hey, you do every two weeks with them too, right? Because that's how you you model the behavior that you want, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we can model. And I'm a big basketball guy. So like if I want to model behavior on the court when it comes to warm up, yeah. hey, maybe I got to be out there with them when they do in the warm up but not trust them to do it by themselves. It's yeah. the same. It's the same idea. Right. Yeah. I think we just, it's the same. It's the same principles that we've always had toward athletic training, but applying it in a different aspect. That's mm-hmm. the only difference. And I think people are scared because it's uncharted territory. Right. But when I say like, you know, how do we how do we figure it out? And to answer the question even more, it's start one starts with relationship, two starts with the conversation, mm-hmm. right? We're pretty good at having conversation. Yes, we are pr- pretty pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say some of the best in the game at it. If we being honest, we can have a conversation about any anything on any given day at any given time. Um, and right. that's the same thing how it goes to our athlete. There, our athlete is not from my perspective how it's been for me. Our athlete is not asking us to walk there sometimes sometimes they are to do everything for them some athletes will want that mm-hmm. but i'm a big believer on that's not gonna happen right because right. i know <laughs> when you step outside of these four this bubble that is college for you mm-hmm. you have to deal with a lot of other stuff so how can i instill in you some values and some lessons that can help you on the outside long after i'm you graduate college and you have not you're done playing basketball baseball whatever the case may be mm-hmm. um and that's that's what it is for me, right? It's instilling values and core values in individuals so that when they start, and that's what mental health is too, in, in its essence, it's like helping these kids develop, right? We're asking, and I and like I said, I can go talk about this all day long, but <laughs> I think the most important thing, and I'm but I think this really has to be said, the most important thing as an athlete trainer you can do is develop your kid to be better, a better individual rather than a better athlete. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell me. You can say, "Yeah, our goal, our job is to develop the student athlete." Right? I, no, no, no. Our job is to develop the person. It's the and it's the athlete that we get to shine that gets to shine. Mm-hmm. But okay, I can person. Listen, I always tell my athletes, I can care less about what you do on a court, on a field, but I care about what you do one in the classroom and then what you do outside the classroom. Yeah. What's your character like on the outside, right? Because you can have one personality from sport, but then you have another in the classroom. So yeah. are you giving the same intent to your class, to your work? Are you giving the same intent to what you participate in on campus? Those things, those are the, for me, those are the things that matter because those are the things, not saying that sport does not help develop character, but it definitely does. Right. But there's other aspects to it. And I think sometimes we get a little caught up in just the athlete aspect and forgetting that there's a person involved too, yeah. right? And we talk about we talked about before the holistic approach. The holistic approach, for those that might not understand it, is treating the entire person and not just a certain section, mm-hmm. right? 
just not treating the injury or just not treating the athlete, right? Yep. It's treating the whole entire person so that they can thrive holistically, that every part of them can thrive from the physical to the spiritual, to the emotional, to okay. the mental, right? It's a whole holistic approach. It's the whole idea. So I think for me, like, when I sit down and talk to, and when I try to talk to other athletic trainers about the topic, you know, people are like, oh, well, I, I got too much time on my hands. I'm like, I get it. You know, we are, right now we're going through an athletic training shortage. So there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, but I think if you have the chance, um, you know, to, and you have like, let's say you are at D1 University and you have a small team and you like 15, 14, 15 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just implement something to start right start somewhere it can just be hey we're going to do weekly check-ins every week to and we're always good at the weekly the check-ins anyway right we always, when an athlete comes in what's the first thing we always say what's that how you doing today yep. like what's going on like how class yep we do that but how about instead now we put it on a like a tablet or we put it on a piece of paper so when the, our athletes come in for a rehab or just to check in taping whatever okay hey hey go knock out your 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 check-in for the week Mm-hmm. Knocking your checkout for the for the for for the next, for these, this two week block, yeah. Because we know, and you probably can attest to this, like a lot can change in two weeks, cool. right? You can go from an athlete being here one week to athlete being here the next week to athlete being back down here to being back up here. They right. might plateau up here for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, that six week block, maybe you would have solved some. I guarantee your numbers were crazy a little bit, right? So. And that's where we gotta we gotta start. I think there's a there's a you don't gotta reinvent the wheel. I think the wheel is ready to reinvent it. You don't gotta reinvent it. Um, and we play so we play such a large role, right? But mm-hmm. I think the biggest another person who plays the biggest role is the coaching staff, right? To try to get them also to buy into the idea because you got a lot of coaches out here that you're like, oh yeah, I pre- I. Right. You know, the hope, but then we'll act and say another thing, right? So I think it's a it's a important thing about getting the ATs involved and the ATs trying to get the coaching staff involved and getting the ATs also getting their strength and conditioning staff involved. Mm-hmm. Because hey, maybe you realize as an athletic trainer, you say your team is we ain't doing so hot. Maybe instead you might talk to your strength and conditioning coach and say, hey, like, is there any way we can just do like a recovery day? Yep. Them, they come in and just do recovery stuff or be like some mobility. They do okay. some stretching from as a team just to get them together and shoot at the end. Maybe they just do some mindfulness stuff at the end and then call it a day. Yep. And that's their lift for the, for the day. Not saying that they won't get another lift throughout the rest of the week, but maybe this, this day we can hit hard. We've been through so much over the last week or week, couple of weeks. This is maybe how we get into it. So um, I, I think we play an integral role. You, you, like, yeah. Every athletic trainer knows that we are, we make, we make the ship go. If we ain't there, the ship don't go. <laughs> it ain't sailing. <laughs> and I try to tell people like, you think, and not saying, and it's the coach. I love coaches who will, will attest to it. If, we, if it wasn't for my athletic trainer, hey, we would, my team wouldn't be where we were. Or, exactly. You know, so I think that's, that's a lot of, that's really how we start, right? That's the role we play. Mm-hmm. Um and the way we continue pushing forward is just having those conversations, being authentic. Like for me, I ain't going to sugarcoat it. Like my kids, like I work with a cheer team and they call, they say I'm a cheer dad. And I, you know, I've, I've accepted that that is the role that I play on that team. Right. But with my baseball team, I play a different role. I don't play that, that same role. Um, so, you know, like every team sometimes requires a little bit of different 
yeah. different types of athletic, athletic trainers. So, yes. you know, some need a little more hard skill, like hard, I'm going a, I'm to a really be on you. Some might mm-hmm. be a little more lax. So I think that's how you play it, right? I think that's the role that we play, and we're vital at being able to change on the drop of a dime. Yes. And, not, and not being afraid to change, I think is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I'll get into a little more of that when we, talk about <laughs> when we talk about YPs later on and how, you know, like the question you asked earlier, how can YPs, uh, how can, you know, people who have been in the game for a while help YPs? Mm-hmm. I got a lot to say about that. So we'll Okay. Go, All know. right. I'm, I'm here for it. And like, like you said, yes, we don't necessarily always have, you know, the time, but I'll, you know, speak personally, me just having them to do those two forms every two weeks on the platform. And we honestly just put it into ATS because it's already there. So it was literally, I would just take 15, 20 minutes every two weeks to go through each form, look at the numbers. And I I did start an Excel spreadsheet. So putting all that into the Excel spreadsheet, looking at the total number, how that has changed, and then looking at the team average. And I never thought I would be a person and say, oh, look at me using quantitative data. But yeah, but but then we but and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I forgot to mention that. But it's but that's such a great tool, right? Because now I have I have numbers to back me up and when I go talk to a coach. Exactly. If I told them, hey, my yo, your athlete's going through it. Like, yep. How, how we gonna make this work? Like, we got we got a big game coming up this week or a big series coming up this week, and you, our our athletes are saying X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. How are we gonna make this work? Yeah. So, and then now you go to like this is our team average for in between this like this two week block. Mm-hmm. Hey, coach, what can we do? How can we make this work? Yes. And usually, coach is like, what? Like, oh my god! Like, I you know, coaches who really know it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I, all right. Now I gotta make we might might have right. to change, change it up a little bit. And um, so I think that's that's important, right? And I'm glad you mentioned that. So other athletic trainers know that to, mm-hmm. to start doing that as well. Like, like I said, it's hard for big teams. I get it. It's hard. I but, get. It. But once you start, if you can start small and then get bigger as you go, yes, you get bigger yeah. as you go. So, um, or so. Yeah, like time consuming or and like you said, I would have those conversations with yeah. my coach, like, oh, you know, the, the numbers was a little high this week. So maybe we should do this. And my I can honestly say my coaching staff was on board from the get-go. Like I had even talked to them before I implemented it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm really thinking about looking at, you know, just the mental health aspect for them, being as though I am who I am. And I'm I'm very open with my patients. Like, oh, don't talk to me or don't try to text me or whatever between this time because I have therapy. And yeah. they were like, you go to therapy? So it's like, yes, like <laughs> it is, it is a thing. And they're like, oh, well, we we didn't think you had anything going on exactly that's modeling the thing beha- but modeling behavior right and that's what i'm like oh i did yoga this morning or if y'all want to do yoga as a team let me know we can or let's look at this app and i'm like just telling them and just having a conversation even you know like you said i can talk to them all day and yeah. they will bring up anything but it's just and be, yo and i tell and i tell you this you'd be surprised at yes. what a lot of people, a lot of these kids go through. Yes. Very surprised. No matter, and we talking about, you know, and we can talk about 
and I won't get, get we won't go go to where I was that my mom wanted to go to the state. Right. But no matter the situation, no matter mm-hmm. the sport, no matter the the sex of the team, whether it's mm-hmm. men or women, everybody go through something. Yes. And these kids are going, some of these kids are going through it, especially with, you know, we dealing with COVID. A lot of what I noticed is a lot of our, our the high school kids that just came in this year or kids that have only been in school, like the, the sophomores, they, they right. really go through it. They shouldn't try to feel like, okay, how do I actually excel in the classroom? Yeah. Because like I've been online university for the last couple of years. So like, right. how do I, nav- how do I navigate actually having to come to the class, come to class, being here, not just waking up at five minutes before class, open mm-hmm. my computer, logging on and then going back to sleep and then yes. teaching myself the content you know, like, it's like, how do I do that? So a lot of these kids, what I really, and it's the mental, it's the school at the school side of things really impact a lot. Mm-hmm. And if, so one of the things I do, and I take that from my teaching background is like, I tell kids, Hey, like, how do you learn? Right. How, what type of learner are you? Like, you know, I get, get, we're struggling, but how are you studying? How are you sleeping? Right. Oh my God. Talk about sleep is another great, the big thing that, and that, that's a whole nother thing we could talk about too, right? Yes. Oh my God. I know, and, and we know that research shows that like sleep is a vital aspect to men- mental performance and also physical performance. Yeah. Right. So if I know if I'm getting enough sleep at at least eight hours a night, hey, my mental well being is probably a lot better than what if I only get four. Exactly. I'm up thinking about, oh God, what I, I got to do. You know, like, and I tried to, I remember I told one of my kids, like, I said, I've never cramped, I've never did an all-nighter my entire year, my entire time, undergrad or in grad school. They said, what? I do all-nighters like once a week. I said, sweetheart, no, 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 no. We, we, that's not healthy. That's no. not, like, depriving yourself of sleep is actually, you retain, most people don't know, you retain more information sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, you'd be like, surprised. Oh, like, Come on, man. And so, like I said that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it I all think ties in. It all is everything ties in, and I think that's where I try to preach sleep. I try to you know preach um, trying to eat nutrition. Like I said, I don't have a nutritional background, but like I try to say, hey kids, like just make sure you're eating good. Like, or if you're going to come to practice, don't not eat, and then wonder why your head hurt, and then you got to do X, Y, and Z. A probably because you probably haven't eaten anything. You're probably one, you're probably dehydrated, and two, you're you haven't put any carbs on your carbs or fuel, right? You haven't put any carbs on your on your in your, in your stomach yet. And you wonder why you're not. But hey, um, that's know, a whole nother episode. Whole nother, whole nother episode. But like I said, all right. that ties into it, right? Yeah. All that ties into it. Um, and I think you know, we as ATs, we play, we wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, all the time, you know, COVID has really shown us like well, how many hats we do wear, yes. um, how we ha- constantly have to change things up all the time mm-hmm. uh, and just being flexible and, and not being afraid to also sometimes, uh, you know, say no um, in some a- aspects. Um, and like, again, I think modeling behavior is really important because our athletes look up to us as role models majority yeah. of the time because one thing I, I can say for sure, a lot of kids that I've worked with in my career so far, you know, they come from homes like I like from, like I like I grew up in single parent homes where like you might not have a specific, a specific parent in the household, so they go to their athletic trainer 
Yep. As a role model, right? They look like, hey, like, you know, big brother, dad, uncle, sister, auntie. That's mm-hmm. what athletic trainers do. And they do yeah. a great, I think we do a great job of supporting our kids um, and making sure that they're not only taking care of physically, we're taking care of mentally. And they're, and then sometimes, but sometimes we also got to know, like, hey, like, I got to know when to pull back and let, let the, yeah. let the forums do the work, <laughs> you know? Because having 14 individual conversations once a week with a kid may be a little bit too much. Right. But maybe having a form like you like you have, you have the PHQ9 and the GAS7, like having those maybe with a little comment section at the bottom to maybe it's a little bit easier. And then if you need to follow up, you follow up. So okay. and you refer like and I always say we do the same thing when it comes to an orthopedic evaluation. Right. We say, okay. hey, this kid got something going on. I might not feel 100% comfortable handling this. Let me refer. Yes. Oh, okay. Same idea with when it comes to mental health. Hey, I see, I feel like something funky going on. I don't, I don't yeah. like, it. I don't know how to handle it. Let me refer. And that's where you get, like you said earlier, you get your team physician involved. Um, you, you have the, or you get your school counselors involved. Um, I think that's hopefully the next step is, is to of where athletic trainers can take this and start getting um, campus um so can't like you know services involved um yeah. trying to get them involved or even having an out like a person who comes to campus once a week or, or once or twice a week to meet with athletes whether it be virtual um because now that's an, a better option for a lot you know we've seen telemedicine is a little bit better especially yeah. for therapy wise um i think that's where, where we're going to really start to see a lot shine in the next couple of years with mental health and athletic training because we get to find a way to support our athletes in different realms now right we get to we get to figure it out, start developing new ideas, new way of thinking. And a lot of our athletes are, are they want it, you know, they just want to know if you offer it. Yes. Yes. They want it. They just might not be vocal and asking for it, but they, they just want to know if it's, it's, if it's, if it's available. And I yeah. think you have that conversation um, with like at the beginning of the year, having that conversation with your student services department, right. Saying, Hey, What's our policy? Can we develop a policy? And this is big. And I'm and I'm hoping everybody who's wa- who's going to watch this really <laughs> sitting down with your student services at the beginning of the year to ask this important question: mm-hmm. Do I have priority if a student athlete is struggling to walk them over and for them to get seen immediately? That is one of the most qu- important questions as a athletic training, a sports medicine department. And as a student services department, you have to start asking, right? Because let's say you have a an athlete going into crisis, and you like, I don't think they need to go to crisis enough to send them to the hot like to the hospital, mm-hmm. but they definitely need to talk to somebody a um, uh, uh, professional. That's not me, right? You call over the student services. You like, hey, I need somebody to get seen. They say, oh well, we don't got no plans for two weeks. That's right. That right there says, oh, now you you got to tell your athlete, well, you can't get seen for two weeks. And then that might cause anything, anything. So and I told and I I think I said to my to the staff I work with at the beginning of the year, I said, we don't want to be a headline. We do not want to be a headline. So the most important thing is to develop this relationship with student services on the front end. Right. And say, hey, do I have priority? The student athlete says they start saying X, Y and Z big red flag can i walk them straight over to your office like to get seen and that's one of the things i loved about temple because we took mental health very seriously at temple as a ta um and also as a club sport at, at at like 
I had for I had priority. So if I if I called over and said, "Hey, I'm walking this kid over," mm-hmm. so they were going to see somebody that day. Like at that specific time, I was walking them over. I had walked a few kids over while while I was a TA, where I stopped what I was doing, like in the mm-hmm. middle of my day, just yeah. to go walk them over, so I knew that hey, they feeling comfortable enough to go talk to somebody. At least they have the support, um, you know, as they kind of go and as they kind of make that transition. I think that's that's the next piece in mm-hmm. into into it is like. Because, you know, a lot of big D1s have, you know, sports psychologists on staff. You know, but the little little, little D2s, D3s might not have, they might have to learn, or NAIA schools, they Mm -hmm. have to revert to their, 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 you know, their their student health services. So I think that's a big thing, too, is is getting all parties involved to say, hey, this is what our game plan is going to be if a student athlete comes and says X, Y, and Z. And then you, you make it work from there. So um, I think that that's where I hopefully start to see the transition going in the next couple of years. Um, you know, we all start taking it a little more seriously um, to prevent stuff from happening, man. We saw, um, and I don't know, I can't speak on, I won't speak on the t- entire situation, but, you know, Stanford, the Stanford women's uh, soccer player, like she, she's 20 years old, committed suicide. Wow. And that, and that hurt me because I was like, I don't know what their department does on the front end. Right. I don't know what they does, but can, could it have been prevented? Right. Was she seeing somebody? Was she not? And those are questions I'll never know the answer to, but those are questions I run through my mind of how can we, a, a, a girl who was so talented thriving at, in, in her sport was at the same time still hurting so bad internally, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll never, sometimes you'll never know. You'll right. never know. So I think that's the big piece of us figuring out how we can better help our athletes if we start seeing signs and being more attentive to the signs because they'll tell you. They will tell you what's going on, but you are, are you it's that aware enough to to pick it up? Yep. And that's that's the big that's the big piece for me for me, um, and hopefully where our profession starts to go in the next next soon year. I think that's what <laughs> you. I agree. I agree, and I definitely you kind of touched on it. Um, a mental health EAP. Yes, and I know you know a lot of athletic trainers don't have it, but I'm thankful to say. My team and I, we have a mental health um, EAP. That's part of our policy and procedures. And we've included our team physician as well as the head over in, um, I feel like our term is health counseling, whatever the case may be. So um, the head over there, she's involved and like we have a direct line to her so that we can you know, had that open communication and, yep. you know, I think we also involved the public safety on campus. Um, okay. So yeah. it's, you know, we had that and, you know, we haven't had to implement it a lot, but we have it and it's worked to my knowledge. So I think if we can maybe, you know, make that a standard, like we have, you know, all these other policy and procedures, let's make the mental health EAP a part of our policies yeah. and procedures and it's yes it's something else that we have to do but think about the importance of it and what mm-hmm. can come from it just like everything else that we do yeah. so it's we're evolving i think i think the time i and and this popped in my head but you know how we have like a policy any any ata statement on x y and z yep i think the day that we start as a profession we actually start to take it seriously ourselves we would see like a lot more people start to take it seriously too 
because you know we got a, a policy statement out on lightning we got a policy statement out on concussion we got a policy statement out on uh emergency action like all that stuff okay who is the next when's the policy on mental health going to come out when's that when's that position statement from on the mental health front going to come out because once we start seeing that because you know as athletic trainers we like to implement stuff that has that's based back, back with some type of research right evidence let's do it let's do it you know like it's something there we know it's something there so if if research is showing that almost 50 percent of student athletes report some type of mental health condition each year mm-hmm. i think at some point we 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 gotta start doing something yes so, like, so maybe right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a little note like nata can we get up and I don't like to use my Twitter to be calling out nobody, but I, you know, I might have to, might have to put it on there. Might have to, might have to make a tweet I about mean, the you know, I might not specifically call out anybody, but I'm going to ask the question. But I'm going to ask the question. I want to know what's, what's the, what's the NAT, when, when's the position statement coming out on that? Like, I think that that's important, right? Because we talk about what's the next phase of our, our, our profession is continually growing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And as a, as a young professional, I'm like, when I started in, in athletic training and seeing athletic trainers to where it is now over these last, I started helping out an athletic trainer in 2014. It is now 2022. And in the eight years I've been involved in some capacity in athletic training, the profession has changed dramatically in eight years. Right. So what's, what's to know that what's going to happen in the next eight, what's going to happen in the next two, next, next three, like, you know, and I think we got to start as a profession. Mm-hmm. That's, we make it right. We make it what it's supposed to be. So yeah. I think we got to start doing some some front work um, and some groundwork on that, and hopefully um, making it making making some some changes because I think it's important. Like mental health is important, man. We you can't we can't neglect everything else and be like, oh well, we're gonna say we 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 champion mental health, but then okay, where's the where's where's the where's the where's the the work? Where's the yeah. how, do we, how do we show we not because we gonna put where's the money the in our mouth. Yes. That's it. Agree. I'm I'm here for it. Um, I think we touched on it a little bit, but if we missed something, bring it up. Um, what have you specifically implemented in your practice for student athlete mental well-being? Yeah, I'm a big conversation guy. So um I haven't had the opportunity yet to um you know really implement um anything into like our uh, EMR system because we use Epic at the university I'm at because mm-hmm. it's tied in with our physicians. So it. it's not, I really can't do much there. So, and to do it on paper and it's a little, kind of a little challenging too. So I, I have conversation, man. And I, and my athletes can tell you um, that I am a big, if you walk in my, you walk into my, into the AT room and you, and you look off, I'm going to ask you what's going on. Right. I don't, I won't even do rehab today. I'm big, I'm big on, I will skip rehab and we can sit down and have a conversation. Cause yeah. my, most, most of my kids will block out appointments for mm-hmm. rehab. So I'll get sometimes a 20 to 30 minute conversation with a kid just to figure out what's going on. I'm like, okay, what's really going on? Like, mm-hmm. I know you off, like something's off. Cause a lot, I pay a lot of attention to detail. Um, and my kids are like, yo, how did you know that? I'm like, because I'm I pay attention to detail. Like mm-hmm. I pay attention to body language because I know when you had a rough day. I know when the class might have kicked your behind today because 
or you had a test and you might have done well in the test. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my athletes will, will can tell you that I've had talks to them about like, okay, like, okay, what's next? Okay. I know we, we didn't do so great here. How do we continue moving forward? And I try to, you know, paint the picture for them of I've been through it. And I remember one, one of my athletes in particular, um, she was taking a test. I think she's taking an anatomy physiology test. And she was like, she's like, I didn't do so good. I said, okay. I said, what, what, what can we, what can, how'd you study? And then we broke it down that way. I said, we're not even going to do rehab today. Let's just talk about how we can get you better in the classroom. Cause when you're better in the classroom, you're better in, you're better in rehab. Yep. I know that I've seen that. I've seen that. That's your, that's your track record, right? Mm-hmm. When you're, when you're focused and school is going good, you are wired in our rehab and we, we get, we, the work that we need to put in, we put in that work, right? right? But when you're not, I know you're distracted. I know something's going on. So how can we make sure that, and I give my kids days off for mental yeah. health. Hey, take the day off. I say, you're giving me some time to blow, blow over and do some stuff anyway. So like take the day off for rehab, mm-hmm. go work on, catch up on schoolwork. Yeah. Right, you can come, because some of my kids, we usually do a pre-practice stuff or some of my kids will come in even as a rehab session early in the day and then come back for pre-practice. So some of my kids are getting double in a day. And sometimes I say, hey, listen, skip, let's get rehab for today. We'll do everything before practice. Go get some stuff done. Go look, go take a nap. Go eat. Go do something. Exactly. And then we'll, we'll worry about the rehab stuff later. So I think for me, that's kind of the stuff that I implement, um, really giving my kids grace. Um and making sure that, you know, they feel supported as best I can. Um, you know, you can't, you, I would say you can't reach everybody. Right. Um, but if you can reach one person, I think that's important. Um, and I always tell my kids, like, no matter where I go, uh, wherever, no matter where, wherever athletic training takes me, our relationship, just, I still got a phone. So exactly. Yeah. So, um, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I abide by. Um, you know, I would love in the next phase of my career, uh, next as I start getting, you know, growing in, in, in the profession, um, really start to implement something EMR based like you did, um, even on a tablet where it's like, Hey, you just fill on a Google form, you fill this out X, Y, and Z. Yes. Um, and then that information will then go to myself, go to coaching staff, goes to, uh, if we have a sports psychologist on staff, a psychologist as well. Um, and then based off, you know, if the number is, let's say on the, if I'm doing the hides, if the number's 14, uh, I'm probably going to flag that. Right. And then that'll warrant a conversation. And I might say, hey, like, how? And I, I'm probably having a conversation anyway, so I, I'll yeah. probably know. So I'm probably like, hey, we may, I'm like, and I might call coach or may call, um, you know, the sports coach. Hey, like, we may have, I may send somebody to go come see you for yeah. a point. So that's where the really kind of, I would see the chain of command kind of going. Um you know, I won't say I'm the head of, of of it, but I would say everything kind of starts with me because I see the most on a given day. Um, I hear the most. I feel the most. Um, so and I think that's an important thing, too. Like as an athletic trainer, we we feel a lot like especially when I, you, your athlete come and tell you something that's that's gut wrenching. You like. How do I you know, and I'm not trying to put it off like and saying that it's hurtful, but or like it's hurting me, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have those adult conversations with my kids about life. And I'm like, 
my kids can tell you, like, I made some of my kids, like, we had mental health talks, and my, some of my kids bawling their eyes out of my office. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that, right? Because that tells me they feel that comfortable enough to be, to share that emotion with me. That makes me know that they're, they're feeling it. Like, they yeah. know that there's somebody there that at least supports them. Somebody is paying attention and sees what's their, what's, what they're going through. So I think that's really what I kind of do in my clinical practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, does it take a toll on me a little bit? Sometimes it can. Um, but I know that at the end of the day, like this is this is the work. I, I don't believe that God doesn't put me on this earth to do 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 a job. Right. And and this is the unfortunately the work that I get to do every day, right? I, I always believe when I was an undergrad, you know, in school, uh, one of my mentors asked me, What do you think your life's purpose is? And I told them, I told him my, my life's purpose is to impact lives. Mm-hmm. And he was like, What do you mean by that? I was like, my job on a daily basis is to impact somebody's life. I don't care if it's an athlete, student athlete. I don't care if it's a coach. I don't care if it's a coworker. I don't care if it's a custodial guy down the, down the, that comes in and helps clean the office. I don't care what it is. If I'm impacting somebody's life in a given day, I'm okay. My job is done for the day. Um, so for me, I just get to live out my life's purpose through doing athletic training and really being a little more holistic and mental health focused. So yeah, that's pretty much what I, I kind of get myself into. Amen. I mean, I, I'm going to say we could probably just end there. Like, we living out the purpose. That's all that matters. Like, the purpose. That's it. Period. That's, it. that's I think yeah. that's, that's probably where we're very similar. And, yeah. you know, I usually tell people, like, my purpose as an athletic trainer is to help others. And mm-hmm. even if it's just one person, then I'm walking in my purpose, literally. Exactly. So it's like we we took it to church, y'all. Yeah, it's Sunday, so uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm gonna give you a little, a little, a little. You know, yeah. I grew up, I grew up in the church, so I'm gonna give you a little, 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 uh, little sermon every now and then. But um, <laughs> and I ain't mad at it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this part one of. Our recording with Aaron Jackson. We'll have part two out next week. Uh, a lot more information about young professionals starting off career. We're really looking forward to getting that one out as well. If you're interested or willing to help, we are offering our Throw a Lifeline program where we are helping to fund and then crowdsourcing any other funding to help athletic trainers get the supplies they need to take care of those that they serve. I look forward to speaking with you next episode.